Recently, we had another shooting that occurred, and Marjorie Taylor Greene, the congresswoman from Georgia, came out with a meandering statement saying, hey, let's blame SSRI medications for the shootings. So let's correct this genius. Let's talk about SSRIs and understand what they are. For me, Dr. Mirza, I am a board-certified psychiatrist in adult psychiatry, child adolescent psychiatry, and addiction medicine. talking about antidepressants, SSRIs have become the de facto go-to and they are the most popular antidepressants by far. Antidepressants are used for many different reasons. They're used not just in psychiatry, but outside in regular old medicine as well. Within psychiatry, we use them for things like depression, things like anxiety disorders, OCD, eating disorders, PTSD. They're also used to help mitigate anger. They can help also in stroke recovery. Patients who've had a stroke can help to reduce some of the blood clotting that's there. They can also be very helpful in pain management at times. We also use SSRIs to help with some sexual dysfunction, such as premature ejaculation. When we talk about some of the antidepressants that have been there in the past, there were two main classes that were came out before SSRIs. There was were the TCAs, the tricyclic antidepressants, and the MAOIs, or the monoamine oxidase inhibitors. The main issue, the main benefit of something like an SSRI is there's less drug interactions, there's less adverse effects, less side effects, there's no dietary restrictions, and they're safer in an overdose. The biggest issue, however, with TCAs is that in an overdose, they can be fatal because they can cause an arrhythmia in the heart. The big issue with MAOIs and they can be extremely effective is that there's a very strict dietary protocol when you have to use these and they have a lot of drug interactions especially with other antidepressants as they can cause something called serotonin syndrome which can be in and of itself potentially fatal when we talk about side effects and i call them adverse effects because everything we have everything we take everything we put into our bodies is going to have some side effect whether it's good or bad the main things that we see with ssris are things like gi distress gastrointestinal distress like some things like nausea vomiting diarrhea constipation can occur which is usually pretty time limited headaches happening in the first one to two weeks then it should get better the big things one of the most unfortunate things that comes along with ssris are things like sexual side effects for guys it can be things like trouble getting maintaining an erection not being able to ejaculate on time for women it can be lower libido and also anorgasmia again not being able to climax the other kind of thing that we see with ssris that people will sometimes complain about is something called emotional blunting so while the medication can be there to help again reduce some of the depression it can also kind of take the edge off some of the highs some of the happy moments as well which isn't always a desirable thing. So when I talk with my patients and I say, ask them how they're doing, and they're like, oh, I feel a little numbed out. And I ask them then, is that a good thing or is that a bad thing? And sometimes they'll say it's not a good thing because they'll say things like, I want to feel happy and I'm not necessarily feeling happy. Or I want to cry during a moment when I'm supposed to cry and I'm not able to cry. So that's a sign that again, maybe that's not the best SSRI or the best medication for you. The other potential danger that can occur is when somebody has a very clear, legitimate case of bipolar disorder, 
an SSRI can flip somebody, as we call it, into a manic episode. So it's something that we want to avoid or at least kind of have a mitigate some safeties in place so that if we're going to use an antidepressant to someone who has bipolar disorder, we're not flipping them into a manic episode. One of the questions that gets brought up is how do these medications work? What are they supposed to do? And it's in their name, selective serotonin reuptake inhibitor. They're not there to pump up or make more serotonin. What they do is they work on the receptors, they block the reuptake, they block kind of the serotonin which gets sucked out of the synapses in the brain. So by not removing it, which your brain naturally does, you lead to an increase in the amount of serotonin that's there. But what does this mean? what happens if we increase the serotonin? There's a lot of controversy about, you know, hey, is serotonin the neurotransmitter that's associated with happiness, with sadness, with depression or anxiety? One of the challenges that psychiatrists get is this whole concept of a chemical imbalance theory. This is something that was put out many years ago, some decades ago, which doesn't really hold weight. And what the chemical imbalance theory is that somebody has an imbalance in their serotonin or their dopamine, their neurotransmitters. And because of this imbalance, that is why somebody has depression or somebody has anxiety. And that's not really the case. We're not really sure. This is why SSRIs have about a 50 to 60% success rate. They work for some people, but they don't work for all people. But the important thing to know is this. We know that for some people that it works and it can be life-changing and it can be extremely helpful. We stopped following this chemical imbalance theory and what we're using now most psychiatrists will use what is called a biopsychosocial model, where we look at biological factors, psychological factors, and social factors, and kind of describing somebody who may have depression, anxiety, or other symptoms. And we look at genetic factors, we look at family history of stuff, we look at their health, we look at how they may respond to the medication, we look at how their development was, psychologically their development, we look at the social situations, their work, their relationships, all these things, housing, finances, etc., to say, hey, all these factors are involved with somebody's mood and or anxiety symptoms. So that's what we can do when we modify, we work for their treatment and depression is help those things out as a whole. And medicine is just one part of it. There's a lot of controversies that are out there in regards to you know, safely tapering and getting off these medications that these are quote unquote addictive. And again, that's not true. When I work with patients a lot of times, I have rarely had an issue kind of tapering or getting somebody off of medication if that's what they desire. We have to understand that for a lot of these medications, 75% of them about are prescribed by non-psychiatrists. So the adequate training that's involved with safe and effective tapering and discontinuation of medication is the majority. So this is one of the reasons that I say, hey, if you're gonna need tapering a medication, switching a medication, stopping a medication, you really want to work with somebody who is a specialist, a psychiatrist, who knows what they're doing so they can do it with minimal risks. The other thing that's there is the black box warning, right? So there is the studies by the FDA meta-analysis which showed that, that in children, adolescents, and young adults, there's an increased risk of suicidal ideation in people who had started an antidepressant, usually in the beginning of starting it. When we're going back and looking over that data, there was not an increase in suicide attempts, just suicidal ideation. So what happened with this, with this kind of warning that occurred is that people were hesitant to prescribe these medications. And again, primary care docs are the ones who use this a lot. So they stopped prescribing. And we saw what happened was the risk of increasing depression occurring. And increased depression is a risk factor for suicide, suicide attempts. So when I talk to people, I say, is there a risk of some of this stuff happening? Yes but there's an increased risk of an adverse effect when we don't treat the depression that's there. And that's why it's so important, especially when we're starting medication or we're making changes in the doses, that we have two-way, open, honest, and frequent communication between the patient 
and the provider. The other kind of thing, question that gets brought up is pregnancy, right? So when we talk about pregnancy and using antidepressants, in the third trimester of pregnancy, there is an increased risk of what we call persistent pulmonary hypertension in the newborn. So is it helpful or is it mandatory that we get pregnant people off of SSRIs if they're on it? Not always. The risk is there, but again, it's, it's a little bit higher than normal, but it's still overall pretty low. There is a greater risk of adverse effects to the baby that's coming with a parent who's gonna be depressed and or anxious or not doing well, not taking care of themselves. All right, guys, so I think we, we kind of discussed a lot of the SSRIs, the selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors, got a better understanding of what those things are and what they're not. They're not these things that cause people to become violent. That is nowhere in there. So let's talk with truth and science versus misinformation and disinformation.